You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 72. Today, I talk with Dr. Ngozi Uday. We talked about self-care as a superpower. Now, I know you may be a doubter. We were too. But I'm hoping that you'll take a lot of lessons away from this and realize it really is important for us to take care of ourselves, not just for ourselves, but so we can be there for our, our patients. And Dr. Uday also has a weight loss webinar tonight. The links are in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. All right, welcome back. I have a great guest. I've been so excited about this one because this is a topic that we really, really need to talk about. Uh, so Dr. Ngozi Uday, she is a family practice physician, and we are going to talk about self-care. And she and I are both going to talk about how we hear that, you know, when we first heard that one, oh, no, what? Who does that? But we are going to convince you how important and necessary this is, not just for yourself, but transforming your practice with this too. So why not be happy and make your patients happy too? So she's going to make a great case for this too. I'm really excited. So Dr. Uday, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun. Thank you. I agree. So tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. So for those that don't know me, um, I'm a board certified family medicine physician. I go by Dr. Uday. Um, I'm based in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I own a primary care practice, namely Apple Valley Family Medicine, and I also provide aesthetic services. Um, and through both modalities, my goal is to have my patients not only feeling good, but looking good. And I know that this was a bit of a process too, because, you know, just like we were talking about before we started recording, you know, we all know what being a doctor is, you know, we have our own idea about that and we serve our purpose, but, you know, yours took a little bit of an evolution, both personally and, and, you know, within your practice, tell us a little about your background and your story. um, And it'll be obvious to see how it unfolded. So um, for me, um, I trained as family medicine and I, you know, I graduated in 2011 and right off the bat, when I graduated from family medicine um, residency, I went right into it full tilt. I mean, sometimes working seven days a week and a lot of, you know, medical professionals, doctors can relate. Um, And I don't know if it's the training or what it is, but we work, work and work. And for me, you know, I'm married um, to another physician And I have three school age kids. And so they were even younger then. And so imagine, you know, seven days a week, you know, my husband's working, you know, the other weekend and I'm mirroring the other weekend. So it was literally crazy. So I absolutely love medicine. It is my purpose. But I think the way it started off with not being intentional with getting balance, it was just not sustainable. And so I think what happened out of necessity was I had to figure that out. And so that's where this topic of self-care being a superpower kind of, I would say, morphed. And so for me, it was figuring out. So in the recent years that, you know, and the thing is, we know this, that family is important. We know that having me time is important. It's being intentional about it. That is the issue, because if you don't, It's just somehow, you know, helping others, which is what, you know, 
we really is our purpose can kind of overtake a lot of things. And so for me, it was um, figuring out and using that tool of self-care to regain that balance, bring joy, peace, and, you know, all that comes with it um, to the forefront for me. I completely understand, you know, where you're coming from, because, you know, we go to medical school and we do the things and, you know, so we know how to do that. We know how to show up and and do the clinic. And so then we complicate our life by like, we get married and stuff. And then, you know, they apparently have their own life too. And so, (laughs) especially if you have someone who has a job too, you know, everyone has competing demands. Um, And then we have three children on top of that too, which the needs are unpredictable. They need stuff too. And before you know it, you really are seven days a week, 24, if you could fit more hours in the day, you know, kind of thing. Um, And I think almost everyone reaches a point where something needs to change. And how did that realization come to you? Like, what were the signs that you saw that maybe other people can pick up and say, hey, that's me too? Well, for me, I think before we got on, I was just saying it just felt like being in a wheel. And I told you it was like you you rush to get the kids ready. You rush to get to, you know, drop them off, rush to work, you know, get, you know, make sure that you do what you're supposed to do at work. And then you rush home to get, you know, run, rush to get the kids, rush home dinner. And then you probably have an hour or two before you have to do it all again. And the thing is, again, you know, it's a privilege to take care of patients, but the thing is you still have to take care of you and your family. Cause that's actually really what feeds your soul. At least for me, that's what does. The other thing is even, you know, I'm a Christian. So even, you know, my religion, all those things were not at the forefront when I wasn't intentional about it. And so I think it's just, you, you get to the point where, you know, Sunday's coming and you're just like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's starting up Monday. And so it was that realization. And I knew that this is truly what I was made to do. And so being kind of uneasy when the week is about to start, I think was a big one for me, um, you know, missing, you know, recitals, missing and a lot of doctors can relate you miss a lot of the activities that are happening with your kids. And so I, I, you know, I ended up realizing that it, it had to give. And so, um, I immersed myself in, you know, getting information, getting coaching, getting in communities that would help with this. And it's, it's been life-changing. It really has for me and my family. I completely agree. You know, I come to those realizations too. When you have that one hour that you have to yourself and we think I've got that one hour, I'm going to do all the things that I want. Well, you know what I do with my one hour? I sit and I stare into space and, <laughs> and I stare into space about 45 minutes of it. And the next 15 minutes is like, oh good. I get to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> it's so it's, and that's how, you know, you actually need me time to just sit, reflect, and just sometimes you just don't need to do anything. That's so important. But yes. Yes. And I I know the difference now. I mean, it was a little bit hard for me to recognize the difference. Like before I would literally just sit there for an hour and I needed that time just to like get even like out of the swamp of misery, just to, to just relax even. But, you know, for me also, I want to achieve something for myself too. you know, do those things like read something and absorb it. And, you know, in that period of time, I wasn't even able to do that too, because I was simply recovering. I mean, even then it never quite felt like recovery. And I only recovered enough to go, oh gosh, you got to do it again. So <laughs> true. that is totally true. 
And you bring up a good point. I think it's because as, you know, medical professionals, physicians, we are pouring from our cup. Obviously, you know, if you have children um, and women, I think are just amazing because we, like I told you before, we take care of everyone. So you're pouring into your partner, you're pouring into your children, and then you get to work and you're pouring into your patients. But what happens when you run empty? Because that's what happens when you don't take care of yourself and put those you and obviously those things that are important to you first, you run dry. And then what happens? You're just working on fumes. I feel like it, it, it's so important because it actually makes you work better because you're able to recharge. And it's, it's almost like, you know, a car without gas, if you will. Yes. And you said it best too. I thought that, uh, you know, the patients actually see it too. You know, we think we're doing fine. We're like, we've got it all locked down. No one really sees how exhausted we are. We don't even, we're not even thinking about how exhausted we are, but you know, that the patients see it too. They, they see it, they feel it. So not only are we not serving ourselves and our, you know, our ultimate purpose, we're not actually serving our purpose. We've been working so hard for too. Absolutely. And I I think that as medical professionals that take care of others, we really truly deserve the best. Um, And that's, you know, taking care of yourself and a lot, you know, your patients want the same for you. So put yourself first Um, and we can talk about tips on how to to get there. Um, But so important. I used to be one of those that said the self-care. What's that about? But now uh, it's just you, you, it ha- you have to do it really it's a it's I really advocate for it basically yes and I think the probably the problem that we have is that very typical of anything that when you go to seek help the very first thing when you find when you go to seek help help is people telling you actions they say do this or do that and without the thought and and the intention behind it um, these actions fall flat because we don't know why we're doing it. And sometimes we're doing it because someone says so, and it's not the right thing for us. I thought you had a great strategy for figuring out what, what does self-care mean to you? Like, what is the goal of it? So for me, it means doing anything that brings you joy, brings you peace and, you know, brings that balance to your life. And that's, that's literally for me. Yes. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, things that bring me joy and peace may not bring someone else joy and peace. And so for me to say this works for me doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work for other people. But, you know, along those lines, what were some of the things that you discovered offer balance for you? Um, Take us through a little bit of your uh, your strategies. Okay. so and just and you actually alluded to this. So. Um, a lot of times people go into the do it, the action phase. So the way I see it, you want to kind of see it, plan it, and then do it. I, there was, it's, it's a, it's one, I think it's John Maxwell's book. I got that out from, it was just amazing. And so see it is what do you want your life to look like? And that's what you were alluding to, because what I would see as, you know, my dream life is different from what you want. And so it's encouraging us as, you know, medical professionals and, you know, physicians, what do you actually want? So figure out that what that is, then you can go forward and plan for it and then finally do it. So the first step is see it. Um, And then planning, obviously, proactive, being proactive is a big one. And so recently what I've been doing that has helped a lot is, 
you know, planning my week ahead. I look at my week on Sunday and, um, you know, so you can see, you know, what, what meetings you have, see, you know, schedule in pencil in when you're going to spend time with your family, make sure that there are no surprises um, and you can plan better. Um, and then the other thing I do is the day before for each day, I also look at my schedule. And then the other big one that I've been doing recently that's been helpful is having a good morning routine. And so for me, what I do is I usually have a glass of water by my bed that I, you know, drink when I wake up. Um, and then I do my morning devotion. I am Christian and I'll do my devotion and pray. And that's a form of meditation. So if meditation is what works for you, then do that. Um, the other thing um, that I've heard is, you know, successful people read um, and, you know, immerse themselves with um, inspiring information, if you will. And so I, in the morning, I don't have as much time to read, but I do it on my way to work. I do audiobooks, So I will do it in the car with the kids or later in the evening before bed. I'll get some reading in. Um, exercise I do do in the morning. And so this is something that I, I really recommend is figuring out that morning routine because that's what's going to get you a kickstart to your day. And you can fit some of these things in these um, activities that can help give you a jump start. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think those are great um, strategies because uh, I, I wrote an article about, um, you know, physicians need growth days. And the the whole purpose of this is in exactly what you described is like when we intentionally create the day, we become creators, not reactors. And, you know, I think a lot of times we just react to the day. But if we use the, the planning aspect that we have, our prefrontal cortex, that we plan it ahead, we are much more likely to do that rather than be at the mercy of whatever comes up. Absolutely. The other thing is uh, they always say what gets scheduled gets done. They're not lying. That's that's very, very true. Um, the other tips I have. So the daily routine. So the way I think of it is mind, body and soul. So a lot of the body things are a lot of things people think of. So for me, it's obviously exercise, making sure you're eating well, high protein, high veggie um, diet. What are you drinking? So I always tell my patients 80% of the time you want to be drinking water. So mine, I start with a glass of water. And then what I do is I surround myself with water. So I have a case of water in my car. I have it by my desk. So it's just, there's, it's a no brainer and it doesn't taste good. So don't sip it, just chug it down. So if I have a bottle all the way, that's it. So if you're having a tough time, start with one in the morning and then maybe one with each meal. And that's, that's a good start, but the recommendation is half your body weight in water. So about at least eight glasses of water a day. And if you surround yourself with it, it doesn't take that much. So yeah, so we talked about what you're eating, exercise, sleep. The other one I would talk about is, um, and it's more kind of your mind, um, is what are you feeding your mind? So, you know, I talked about, you know, on my drive in, I would, you know, have an audio book. The other one is inspirational podcasts. I've started doing those. And so that could be something you do. And it's, it's whatever you want to learn about. Um, and we spend a lot of time in our cars sometimes. And so you can use that opportunity to habit stack and, and listen to something inspirational. Right. Um, the other one is boundaries mm -hmm. and that's one that recently has made a difference and it's boundaries with your time 
and boundary people. Yes. And think for us as physicians, I mean, we are givers and we take care of, you know, you know, patients, our families. So what, but the problem is if you don't have it, you know, you're not intentional about where you're spending your time, it's going to bleed into your family life. And so what I started doing that has made a difference is when I'm at work, I work. I limit to how much email I'm checking, how much social media, and that's difficult. You know that's difficult. So it's it's a work in progress, but I try to be very efficient with my time at work so that when I'm leaving, my work is done, and then when I'm home, I'm present. And that's a big deal. So that one is just making sure that your time is scheduled appropriately. Time is one of those things that once it's wasted, it's gone. You can't make it back. You can make money back, but you can't make your time. So make sure that you have the right boundaries for your time. And the other one for people is who are you surrounding yourself with? You have to be you know, intentional about that. There are people that can drain you. There are people that can make you sad. There are people, so you want to make sure that you are really making sure that the people around you are are, are um, who you want to, I guess, associate with and learn from. Oh, I completely agree. Um, and I love this this idea of you know seeing it or planning it or seeing what you want, then planning it and then doing it. And this is actually like the steps of the boundary that I talk to people about, which is you know five steps of what is your boundary, which is basically setting your attention. And the two is, you know, communicating it to the people that need to know it, which is usually us and <laughs> there's other people. And then the third is like, what is the consequence? Like, if I don't have time to do this, then something else has to give, you know, or like, what is the consequence of me not supporting, you know, this boundary? Like, how am I going to reinforce this? And then the fourth, which I was laughing about is that you actually do it. You know, like if I say, well, if there's not time in the schedule, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sacrifice something else. You know, you say it, you do it. And then the only other thing is to, you know, you can change your mind if you like your reasons. Um, but typically we don't like our reasons, you know, or reasons that we didn't plan well or this and that. And, you know, and I, I know it's always like a work in progress too. Like I will plan this. I will be completely unreasonable about how long it takes. Or I'll say, you know, I know that it takes 11 to 13 minutes to get to work, but I'll give myself 10. And, you know, <laughs> I just. That is true, but it's, it's ever changing, but be okay with tweaking it. But definitely that see it plan. I think it was John Maxwell's book that I got that out from, but see it plan and do it. It's just, it's made a huge difference. It really has. I completely agree. Um, and so how has this shown up in your practice? Because, you know, I know that primary care, we think you just do the, the blood pressure and the diabetes and things, but I imagine as you've realized the importance in your own life, I suspect this has shown up in your practice. How has that shown up? Oh, I mean, I think it's made a difference for the patients. Um, because again, when they're, and I think I, I talked to you before we got on, um, you know, when I have patients coming in, either anxiety, depression, sometimes I can see that it's, this is not the problem. It's what's your schedule looking like? What's your, so I literally talk about this on a daily basis the whole like, you know, plan your, you know, plan your week ahead, you know, delegate, get help, um, uh, you know, 
watch out for the people that you have around you. Cause sometimes maybe it's a, you know, a family member or somebody that's really stressing them out or a friend or somebody that's, you know, sucking the energy out of them or, um, you know, they have too much to do and they're not willing, you know, to get the help or not aware that they need the help. So it shows up. So it's, it, a lot of the times there's a lot of coaching that I find that is going on, um, on a day-to-day -day basis with my patients. And I think it's, it's definitely beneficial. And then obviously when I'm helping them, it's helping me. So it's been an all around win-win, I think. I completely agree. And I think that goes into like, what do patients really want? They're coming to us because they feel discomfort of something that usually manifests as a body or a symptom uh, aspect. And if we treat the, you know, the somatic symptom or whatever, you know, we don't actually get to the problem. And, you know, until you answer the unanswered question, um, then you're not going to make any difference. And that's all they really want. You know, so sometimes we just, we help them with what they need, not what they're asking for. <laughs> True. But yeah, so it's it's almost like putting a Band-Aid and you just kind of got to get to the root of the issue as well. So yes, I agree. I totally agree. And, you know, as I've been a coach for a few years now, my coaching has shown up in my patient visits all the time. You know, I'm now instead of telling them to do, I'm, you know, helping them see for themselves because really that's what we do. We're good listeners. We reflect back. We allow them to think. We allow them to be the owners of, of their problems and, you know, helping them understand their problems and offering some solutions. But for the most part, even just getting them to recognize where their life needs to change is sometimes enough because these most people can figure some things out. They just don't know what the problem is. I think that's the first step is with anything that you're trying to fix or change, you have to be able to define the issue. And so what you're saying is absolutely correct is, you know, you, what's that saying? You can take the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So if they, if they can't figure it out for themselves and then make that decision for the change, then it's not, it's not going to happen because you can't do it for them. Yes. And I know you see this on the daily. We see that a little bit more intensely as surgeons because they come to us sometimes with a big problem and uh, it's often one they don't understand um, or they just don't want it in the first place. You know, and I think those, those are the two biggest problems that I see as a surgeon that has, you know, knowing the coaching aspects has changed how I approach them, which is one, they come in and they're very anxious. So they ask a million questions and over and over again, and, you know, it gets very frustrating as a physician because every answer to their question never actually makes them feel better. So it's not the question that they're asking. They're basically just saying the question that they want to know is, am I going to be okay? And when you start answering that question, then you could stop answering the hundred others. <laughs> gotcha. Getting to the root of it. Getting to the root of it. You got it. Wow. And because mm -hmm. we'll give all kind of details. People think that details will make them feel better. And but what I found, my strategy has been when I feel like I've answered appropriate questions and I feel like that's not helping, I usually stop and say, I don't think that getting more information is actually going to help. I suspect really what you want to know is you're going to be okay. Why don't you just hey. trust me? I'm going to take you through it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure that makes them feel so much better. Yeah. Because they don't know why they're uncomfortable. Um, the second thing is it's almost always they don't want to have the problem. You know, I take a, uh, treat a lot of patients with cancer and mm -hmm. it's very uncertain. They're not exactly sure what's going on. You know, they'll, um, and this came up in a post in a different group of the, the patient was asking about what is the size of resection? What is this? How long is it going to take? All these very technical detailed questions 
But after answering all of them, and they're both very frustrated, nothing actually happens. You know, basically the size that she wants is no cancer. <laughs> I mean, that's it. But the, you know, but the thing is, you still have to go through. It's it's a very, very, very tough situation. Yes. Wow. Yes. And I caught some insight into this when I was at Walter Reed and taking care of the war injured soldiers. And we had a mother who was very challenging. And it was the ICU physician that said, you know, you're never going to make her happy, right? And I was like, well, I know what I'm trying. And he said, you're right. never going to make her happy because what she wants is, is an uninjured son. And right. You can't do it. Hard stop. You can't do it. Oh, that's, that is, a, and see, and that's the, the kind of, you know, stuff on that, it, that you guys are dealing with as surgeons and even, you know, physicians in general. And so you go in, um, trying to heal and take care of your patients and you don't want to do that on fumes you got to be whole yourself to be able to help anybody right so i think we have to understand our discomfort too and you know there is an inside part of us that's saying i i'm insist on care too i'm not happy with this either um and we're not going to be able to serve our purpose if we we think we're serving our purpose by just running on fumes but we don't oh and I think, to be honest with you, part of it is I don't think we do it intentionally, but I think with how demanding um, our career and our work is and how important it is, we, we're we not intentional about looking in and making sure that we get what we want. And that's what this is about, is making sure that we're doing that. Got it. And so we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm curious at your thoughts. As a primary care physician, how can surgeons help you? Like what is, how can we better understand the role of the primary care so we can help support you? I, my own thoughts, I'll, I'll start um, with my own thoughts, which is I always try to support what you're trying to do, which is, you know, weight loss and quitting smoking and saying, you know, you have to do all these things. You have to listen to them. So sometimes we're just basically the second opinion. Um, and I usually volunteer that and say, you know, they're doing all the right things for you and really, you know, being an advocate for you um, when you're not there. But what do you see that that we could do to help? I think that's a big one is validating um, the, you know, what we're doing and what we're recommending for our patients. Because a lot of the times, um, you know, it's different situations, obviously surgical, strictly surgical concerns, you guys are going to be taking care of. You're taking the baton. We can't do anything with that. We're sending them to you to take care of. But there's sometimes it's actually a confirmation. The patient is just not ready to accept, Hey, this is it. And so getting that stamp of, Hey, the specialist has, you know, seen it a second, this is a second opinion and they're agreeing with it. The other thing is being available. I think where I am, the um, having specialists being available, I mean, it, the demand is really high. So I think it's just even being able to find a surgeon that is available to see the patient, I think is a big one at this point. So I would say my requests aren't even that big. It's just, are they available and are they validating and seeing all patients? And that's it. I find this really helpful um, for I give my cell phones to, to primary care folks to say, just call me. Cause sometimes it's, you know, these are difficult things, you know, I mean, like a result that comes back or this and that, and, and maybe doesn't quite meet the threshold for a visit, but, you know, we really do uh, collaborate well together. I mean, it, it is all about the patient and we all look good when we are collaborating well. Um, and, you know, I look good when you look good and vice versa. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And, the, you know, we look good and the patients are happy. But that accessibility, because just like you guys running around, you know, trying to take care of your patients, we're super busy. And so sometimes it's just like, OK, who can help me make sure that this situation of this patient is taken care of? And if that accessibility is there, I mean, it's it's golden. And I think that it, it I've talked about this a number of times in the podcast, you know, isolation is the number one enemy for all of us in, in medicine, you know, like, and we think, well, we'll have, you know, other surgeons to collaborate with too, but your primary cares are great ways that we, we can all avoid isolation by collaborating because I mean, the amount of medical knowledge and everything is like, I forgot the exact thing I just read, but you know, it used to double every like 10 years and now it's like seven. And now it's like, I don't know, last week. <laughs> It's absolutely constantly. And the one thing I will say is that we are, we go through a lot um, as, you know, physicians and medical professionals, just like how you're saying you taking care of a patient in the ICU and, you know, we're dealing with life and death on a regular basis. And so these are also mentally and emotionally stressful. So if we're able to lean on each other and get glean the help and just the emotional support, I think that would be amazing. I completely agree. Um, so now I know I want you to share this really exciting thing that you have this weekly dose with Dr. Uday. Tell me a little bit, how did this evolve? What do you hope it to be? Um, and take us through a little bit of that, your new project. Sure. So I have a um, weekly um, podcast. It's called Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday. And so I think the way that materialized or morphed was um, I get a lot of questions from patients um, or even just, you know, acquaintances with different medical questions. And so a lot of times when I'm in the room talking to a patient, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's somebody that has a question about this. And so I thought about it and I'm like, why don't I just find a way to put this out there to be able to um, give some information to people that would, you know, um, want to hear about this. And that's kind of how it, it came up. And so what happens is, you know, I pick, you know, uh, medical topics, you know, ulcerative colitis, weight loss, anxiety, depression. And then um, sometimes I will have, um, I'll, actually a lot of times I'll have a specialist come on and answer um, some of those questions. And it's been so helpful and I keep it really simple. So it doesn't get, cause you know, we can get technical, right? So we keep it really simple at the level of our patients and um, people absolutely love it. Um, and it's, you know, creating awareness, um, giving information. Um, and actually we have, I have a workshop that is coming up. It's going to be on Monday virtual. So I hope you don't mind. I was going to share mm -hmm. that to be honest with you, it was supposed to be for my primary care patients, like my patients in my office. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty sure there are people that um, have questions about this. Um, it's going to, it's the weight loss workshop. Um, and I have links through my um, Facebook um, page. So our, for my practice, Apple Valley Family Medicine, if you look us up there, you should be able to get a link to um, sign up for that um, meeting, um, that webinar. So it's going to be on um, Monday, this upcoming Monday at 6 p.m. Perfect. And so uh, this episode will actually run the morning of that. So you should be able to catch it tonight. And I'll make sure to put that on the email as well. So- uh, I think that's really important too, because, you know, surgeons too, I get a little frustrated because I do try to, you know, explain weight loss because a lot of times I'm telling a hernia patient or someone that they're going to have better outcomes if they lose weight. And this is obviously a big subject. And so to have allies and have resources that we could point to, you know, I know a lot of us have in, you know, in the past been 
frustrated with what's available on the internet. And the only solution for that is just control what's on the internet. Um, and this is where we can take a little bit of our time and exponentially um, have that impact. And I think that more and more doctors are speaking up for their patients and giving education and putting, you know, the, the, the positive and informative information out there. And, you know, having for me, having someone I could refer to say, Hey, you know, you want to know some weight loss strategies, you know, Dr. Uday has this weekly dose and she can help you out a lot with that too, is great because everyone is thirsting for information. And so, you know, gearing people towards reliable sources is invaluable. Absolutely. So, I mean, and that's why we do it because you're right. You look on the internet and you're reading some of that information and you're like, that is not correct. So, but the thing is, you know, a lot of times we're super busy, but I think I'm realizing that it's so important to have our voices heard. And that's pretty much why I started uh, the podcast to get that information out there. It's a great time strategy too, because we can have our patients see it beforehand. We can direct it to them afterwards you know, it really does um, because we don't have to actually trade all of our effort for time. We can actually put some effort and exponentially affect that in less time. And so I think that's a really great strategy. And so the links for all those will be on the show notes. Um, and of course, check that out tonight, um, the weight loss strategies. Well, Dr. Uday, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, so many valuable tips here too. And I know a lot of people are struggling and for you to share your story and your path and how you've, you know, created this superpower or self-care as a super power is really fantastic. I think a really a lot of people are going to take a lot away from this. Love it. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on. I really appreciate it. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.